This is Ethan, and I'm here with Dave, and together we are Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, episode 182-inch. On this episode, it's part two of our epic interview with John Bermuda Schwartz. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. It's a podcast about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast. Seriously, the whole podcast is about Weird Al. It's Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch you don't have to listen, but we're glad you are. Well, hey, Dave, how was your holiday? Oh, it was very nice. Thank you for asking. As always, we spent American Christmas Eve at my parents' house enjoying the traditional Italian feast of seven fishes. Then on American Christmas Day, we went to my aunt's house and we got to meet her new baby donkey. Oh, that sounds great, Dave. Totally wonderful, but... Whoa, TMI, I was actually talking about the other major holiday. Uh, Canadian Christmas? No, the major American holiday. Uh, weasel stomping day? Dave, are you brain dead December 26th? You know, Ruben Valtierra's birthday? Oh, yeah, of course, silly me. Per tradition, I spent the entire day wearing a cone bra and nothing else. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast, we hope you had a very merry birthday, El Maestro! Okay, let's check out what's happening in Weird Al-related news. In case you missed it when it was first announced, Weird Al's 2023 leg of the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour just got longer. The Australian fans are certainly clamoring for more Weird Al, as the original five Australian dates have completely sold out. So Al has added second shows in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane, taking place on March 11th, 14th, and 21st. For more details, head on over to weirdal.com tour. But hurry, before these shows sell out as well. The publicity for Weird the Al Yankovic story is still going strong. So attention collectors, here's a few more things to pick up for your collections. The November issue of the UK magazine Film Stories has an amazing eight-page interview with Daniel Radcliffe. This is a great one to pick up because not only is the interview great, there's an excellent picture on the cover of Daniel dressed as Weird Al from the film. And speaking of UK magazines, the December issue of Empire magazine has a review of Weird the Al Yankovic story and they gave it an impressive four stars. Weird the Al Yankovic story also came in at number nine on People magazine's top 10 movies of 2022. You can check that out in the December 19th issue. And the latest issue of Under the Radar magazine has a great interview with director Eric Appel where he talks all about his favorite movie, and we won't spoil it for you, but we think it's one you'll easily recognize. And finally, there's a brief mention of Weird the Al Yankovic story in the latest issue of Cosmopolitan in their article about Quinta Brunson. Thank you to everyone who has sent in a sighting. Please keep those articles coming in. Now we know there are still major delays for fans to receive their pre-ordered copies of the Illustrated Al from Z2 Comics, and we don't want to continue talking about that ongoing drama, but we did want to tease something pretty stinking majestic in the book. All we want to say about that for now is there is a major Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al podcast Easter egg hidden somewhere in the book. So keep your eyes peeled and enjoy it when you spot it. Last episode, we mentioned that our friend Adrian Vasquez incorporated the official Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast theme song into his animated holiday light display. Well, we are very happy to report that Adrian's house won first prize in his town's holiday decorating contest. No doubt our theme song's animation was what put it over the top. Well-deserved, Adrian. From all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2008 Weird Al Podcast, congratulations on your pretty stinking majestic win. Oh, but Adrian's not the only recent award winner. Weird the Al Yankovic Story won the award for Best Comedy Film at the 2022 St. Louis Critics Association Awards. 
from all of us here at Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al podcast. Congratulations to the We're the Al Yankovic Story team, including all those excellent background actors. This episode is brought to you in part by Vegan Burrito Restaurant, Burrito Burrito in Troy, New York, home of the two-pound double wrapped in a quesadilla burrito burrito and Wizard Burger in Albany, New York. Come on down to Burrito Burrito and Burrito Burrito your Burrito Burrito or hop on over to Wizard Burger for mouth-watering loaded, dare I say, beefy vegan burgers. From Troy to Albany to Uranus, Burrito Burrito and Wizard Burger feed the hungry with out-of-this-world plant-based real food. Food, always vegan style. Visit burritosquare.com and wizardburger.com to order ahead. Weird Al has been keeping busy with audio and video appearances. First up, Weird Al and Weird the Al Yankovic story director Erica Pell took over programming on Howard Stern's 101 channel talking about the new film and playing some of their favorite songs. If you're subscribed to SiriusXM, you can listen to the whole special on demand on their official app. On December 27th, appropriately enough, the radio station WKZG 104.3 FM in Seymour, Green Bay, Wisconsin, switched from Christmas music to Weird Al music, rebranding as Weird Al Radio. The move may be temporary, so be sure to head to KZ1043.com to listen to nonstop Weird Al music on Weird Al Radio while it lasts. GQ posted a video on their YouTube channel where they ask Weird Al to talk about some of his iconic songs. While you may not learn anything earth-shattering, it's still a really fun video where Al talks about more than just the same few songs you're used to hearing him asked about. The Producers Guild of America interviewed Weird Al along with producers Mike Farah and Leah Buman about their film, Weird the Al Yankovic Story. We've posted a link to that interview over in our Facebook group, group.2000inch.com. Go check it out. Weird Al was also interviewed on episode 72 of the podcast, A Typical Disgusting Display. It's described as a podcast for writers by writers who hate writing, and the show is hosted by staffers from the popular Family Guy TV show, including writers Alex Sulkin and Julia Sharp and vocal coach and engineer Janice Cruz Brooks. In case you have not noticed, a few more episodes of our ridiculously self-indulgent bonus episode series have dropped recently. So be sure to check those out when you get a chance. As always, our bonus centimeter episodes are available first to members of our pretty sick and majestic Patreon family over at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. All right, now it's time for what's happening in Grammy Award winning Jim Kimo West related news. On Sunday, December 18th, which just happened to be his birthday, the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West held his annual holiday livestream concert. Both Dave and I attended, and it was pretty stinking, amazingly majestic. Kimo always puts on an incredible show. Now, besides playing holiday classics and his other popular slack-key arrangements, Kimo treated us to his brand-new single, Sleepwalk, a beautiful cover of the instrumental song by Santo and Johnny. The digital single is available right now for purchase on his website, so definitely check that out. And while you're there, pick up his latest CD album, Lonnie Hooley, the collaboration he did with Leo Connie Pryor. It's also available digitally for those who shun fancy things like CDs. Kimo also has a number of live shows coming up in California and Hawaii, and he's mentioned that he hopes to be teaming up again with the International Guitar Night Tour in 2023 for some international dates. Be sure to keep an eye on his tour page and subscribe to his email newsletter for all of his up-to-date information. You can check that out at jimkimowest.com. Now, as always, we pride ourselves on keeping Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast spoiler-free whenever possible. However, we do want to warn everyone that we talk about some things in the unfortunate return of the ridiculously self-indulgent ill-advised vanity tour in this upcoming interview. Because that tour is technically still going on with makeup dates and new overseas dates coming early next year, some of what we talk about could still be considered a spoiler. So if you are remaining spoiler-free, please consider this your spoiler warning. And now let's resume our interview with John Bermuda Schwartz, already in progress. I know talking with you about the first book, by hand, you were the one who went through and sort of fixed some color correction and that kind of stuff. Maybe not color correction on the first book, but <laughs> you went through and you uh, you tweaked the photos and stuff. Do you do that for all of these before the photos are chosen? Like, do you just do it for every photo or just the ones that are going to be used? No, I, I, learned, I learned my lesson on the first book. I went through and I tweaked every photo. I mean, then 
you know, more than half of them weren't used. And it's like, oh, man. So <laughs> this time we, we, did, we chose the photos, and then I went through and tweaked them. But in the time it took to, to get answers on what the photos were going to be used, I probably could have gone ahead and just retouched them all anyway. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, because by the time we chose the photos, it's like, okay, the things are in progress. Now I have to sit down to retouch 301 photos, actually a little bit more than that. And, uh, yeah, that. but I, I wanted to wait until I knew exactly what was going to use because there's a lot more work involved in, in doing color right. than black and white. You know, black and white is just kind of dark and light, and that's it. You know, color photos are dark and light. You know, there are density issues, but there's also color issues, and that alone is not a problem. The problem is some of the film had yellowed, mm. and okay. I... I oh. I don't know why, and and some of the photos in the book sort of reflect that a little bit. I mean, I did my best to uh, get the yellowing out. I did I did pretty good, I, I should say. Uh, I, I converted I'll say. them uh, for the for for the uh, technophobes out there. I, I converted uh, the problem photos uh, into four color into CMYK, so I could address the yellow channel, and and pulled that back. And made some other changes, you know, while while it was in a four color, and then changed it back to an RGB, so I could sort of tweak it from there. And even putting some of the yellow back in the RGB didn't didn't make it as bad as it looked in the first place. There are some photos that are like that you could look at them and go, that's got sort of a weird cast on it. That's got kind of a kind of a yellowish, kind of a dark yellow. You know, not not offensive, but obviously not you know, nice flesh tones, but there aren't too many of those. I was able to, you know, there were a handful that were pretty bad and I made them look pretty decent. And uh, I think that the publisher was able to take them a little bit further. Uh, I think they can do better with those things than I did. Mm. And they did pretty good. I mean, most of the photos in the book look really, really, really good. I mean, most of them are stellar. And there's a few, I mean, I know which ones that are that didn't turn out quite as nice as I would have liked them, but I didn't want to eliminate them. They were good photos. And sometimes things happen. You know, you see photos on, on other artists or bands or, or celebrities or whatever, and not every photo looks amazing. And it's okay if it doesn't look amazing. You know, what's cool is the photo. Right. You know, exactly. And, and that's yeah. That's how that's how some of the, that's how I have to view some of the ones in the book. It's like, you know what, that's that's what they are. They're great they're great photos. You know, sorry the film went bad after 30 or 35 years you know i did my best to store them nice i mean i'm amazed that everything came through uh without more problems i mean i kept everything in plastic sleeves uh all the negatives were kept uh flat and in uh, a cool dry place forever i mean since i you know since i had done them in the first place 30 40 50 years mm -hmm. ago and i was always very careful with that but there's just some chemical things that happen with certain types of film, I guess, or certain types of processing. Mm. And, you know, four or five rolls of film in a row would be perfect, and then the sixth one would be some other weird thing. And then after that, you know, 10 or 20 or 30 rolls would be fine, and then there'd be another roll that had gotten yellowed. And, and it's just, I'm, I'm at a loss to explain exactly why. But I did my best to correct those, and I think they came out all right. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, flipping through this book, it, it's incredible just like to see some of these pictures and, you know, the fact that, a lot of them, I mean, you said that quite a few of them have been seen before, but a lot of them, at least to me, are, are new to me. So so it's really great to get to see this, you know, as a big fan of Weird Al. And I love, you know, all the behind-the-scenes stuff that you got to share. Um, I, I would love to ask you about every single picture in this book, but I, I, <laughs> I don't think we have enough time for that. So I, <laughs> I do have a, a question. I mean, this book does cover uh, Poodle Hat as one of the... Uh, one of the chapters, and it was always curious I, that you have a few pictures from the actual cover uh, shoot for the actual cover of the Poodle Hat album, and I was curious, since you were there on the set for that, why is it that you are not part of the group of people who are on the subway for that that shoot? Uh, I, I, was, uh, I was being punished because I... Uh... No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you know, uh, I don't know, you know, or any more than the other guys were in there. Uh, now, now, relatives and other family members and, and friends, all sorts of, you know, Al's buddies got in there. I mean, Al's wife is in there. 
My wife is in there. Right. She's she's in. Everyone's in there but me. Uh, I I don't know. I, you know, I think may, maybe that would have seemed really obvious to have the band in there. I mean, mm. we were destined for other photos in the booklet, obviously, but uh, right. not sure why we didn't make the cover. Uh, <laughs> I I didn't ask, you know. Um, but it did free me up to take photos. Now I think there's only like three or four photos in there from right. from that uh, subway card that they had there. Uh, I have a lot of photos. There were a whole bunch. There were just a ton of photos from from that day. Um, but again, we can't you know you, you can't put you know a thousand photos in a book you know or eight hundred photos obviously. Um, so only three of those made that from that day, three or four something like that of of that subway car. And it was it might have actually I don't know if it was a real subway car that had been somehow taken apart so that a wall could be taken out if if need be. But they had set it up in the middle of a soundstage. Uh, at the uh, CBS uh, Studio Center in uh, in Studio City, uh, out in the valley here in L.A., and they shot all sorts of, you know, they shot Gilligan's Island on on the property. They shot like, <laughs> oh wow, a hundred TV shows and movies and all sorts of stuff. You know, a very well known, very well traveled uh, studio, basically. And uh, so we had a soundstage all to ourselves. And there's a, a picture. That's not in the book, of course, unfortunately, of this subway car just all by itself on one end of this giant empty soundstage. Oh, I want to see kind that. Of a cool picture. Yeah, that's cool. That's like, you know, that's that's yeah. something I I should probably. Uh, I mean, I could post that somewhere. You know, it's it's not from the book, but you know, it it better to see you know Al in in the subway car than to see the subway car by itself, and you know that's that's it. I mean, we didn't want to. You know, we don't have too many pictures in here that don't have Al in them, and that was the idea. I mean, it's a book about <laughs> right, Al. Right. You know, these. So, you know, we we very very few pictures that don't have Al. Mm. Uh, but but uh, you know what? At some point, I will post. Uh, I'll post that picture in the uh, in your guys' uh, Facebook group. Oh, that'd be so cool. That'd be great. Yeah, I'd love to see that. Well, I, Dave, I love I love that you brought up the poodle hat photos in this book because uh, when I first. I guess I saw a PDF before I saw the actual book, but when I first got it, I went right there and I just went looking for UH Jeff. So I was a little disappointed that <laughs> UH Jeff didn't make the book. But is he in some of your uh, photos that that didn't make it in? I I think so. Um, I I would think so. Yeah. I I'm not. Uh, I I yeah. I guess. <laughs> I'll send you one of those too. Okay. <laughs> You can, in fact, you guys can have the alternate book. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Yes, the uh, the lights, camera, accordion, companion. <laughs> All and, the photos uh, that were not could, fit to print. <laughs> there are more pictures that were approved than appear in the book. I mean, I could I could put out an even bigger book of pictures that that didn't make this one. I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, they're they're you know, I I don't know. I'm, I'm kidding about doing another book. I mean, they're you know of of his photos, but you know, well, you never know. Never say never. never know. Oops, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Actually, I have a pitch for what your th- third book should be. You did the black and white, and then you went an up a level and you did the color. I think the third book should be in 3D. Ooh, then I could sell a <laughs> pair of glasses with each one. <laughs> yeah, better. Ah. Glasses not included. <laughs> yeah, some of those red blue glasses. Yeah, that's a, that's a good idea. Would that be fun? <laughs> No, I do. I do actually have a concept for a third book, and uh, you know, Ooh. to be determined later. Okay, very cool. Uh, obviously, very excited to hear more <laughs> about that when it's appropriate. So, in the original black and white and wear it all over, there were only a handful of photos in which you yourself appeared. However, I noticed that in Lights, Camera, Accordion, there are many, many more pictures with you in it. Are these? pictures all from your camera and if so who was taking all these pictures of you yes and various people now i yeah uh, i i've uh, you know in most cases i know exactly who took the pictures and uh because i know who was there and who i would have handed my camera to and where i didn't know i went ahead and gave them an acknowledgement anyway uh there were times on tour obviously where i'm in a photo uh and the rest of the band is in a photo and al's in the photo that none of them would have taken the picture. So someone in the crew uh, or the tour manager would have taken that picture. And they are, I, I couldn't name everybody, 
because it just would have been a terribly long list of people. But I, I gave a thanks to uh, you know the crew members uh, you know on those tours. Uh, but in a lot of cases, I know exactly who took the pictures, and uh, mm. you know some of them are friends of mine. Uh, my wife Leslie took some photos. Uh, at any given time, Al and the rest of the guys in the band had, had held my camera and taken a picture that I was in. Um, sometimes Jay Levy had taken a picture. Tony Papa, our engineer in the studio for years, uh, took several pictures of us uh, while we were in the studio. Uh, so you know, there's a picture of the five of us shouting into a microphone or something like that. That was taken by Tony. Mm, okay. And uh, now, why he was in there taking pictures and not engineering the session, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I should probably ask him that. But uh, now I, I've acknowledged everyone. I mean, I know I know who took a picture of uh, Al and I standing in front of the uh, camera and NBC when we did the Tomorrow Show. I know who took that picture. I mean, I know who took basically every picture in the book that I'm in. So I did uh, dutifully thank everyone and and much appreciated, uh, you know, to, to all of them. Uh, but all of the photos are mine in that I own the film and they were taken with my camera and the people had you know, permission to uh, take pictures with me and them. And, uh, you know, so, so I, I own the photos. So in that respect, mm, yeah. um, you know, that's why they're in the book. Uh, and not that I wanted photos of myself in, in another book, but there are just, there are a lot of pictures that I'm in, you know, that Al is in, and I don't want to not have a good picture of Al just because I'm in it. Even if I'm ruining right. the picture, <laughs> you know, I, if it's a good picture of him, I want it in the book. So I wasn't going to eliminate, and I did that with the first book too, and that's the only reason there are pictures of me at all in the uh, I Love Rocky Road chapter of Black and White and Weird All Over, uh, is because there were pictures that, that I was in that Al was in, and I didn't want to not use those. So, of course, once there were a couple of those, I thought, well, you know, the cat's out of the bag now. I'll go ahead and put in a couple of more with me. So there are some other pictures. You know, there's a, I think, a, you know, there's a picture of me eating a fake ice cream sundae, you know, by myself, stuff like that. Right. Uh, you know, and Mike Kiefer, musical Mike Kiefer, took those pictures. Mm, right. And, oh. uh, you know, and, and uh, ironically, I don't know if he, uh, if he took any of the pictures in this book. It's possible he did. It's very possible he did. But uh, I, I was able to thank everyone, uh, you know, who took in the acknowledgments, uh, who held my camera and, and took pictures, and uh, you know, so that's that's how it happens. I appear in these, in more of them, I should say. Cool. All right, like I said, I don't want to go through every picture in the book, but there's another one that just kind of stood out to me that I have to ask you about. And uh, if anyone's following home along at home, this is on page 178. It is you. And Steve and Weird Al in the fountain at, for the Gump video shoot, <laughs> and you're playing the drums in the uh, in the for fountain. Sure. And I just, I just, I'm just kind of curious, uh, uh, whatever happened to that drum set? They are certainly, sitting in water cannot be good for drums. <laughs> no, those those were not uh, happily. Those were not my drums. Yeah, <laughs> uh, those were provided by a prop department, I guess. Uh, I, I assume they were probably thrown out after that. Uh, yeah, I I, uh, I don't know. That was uh, that was uh, that was a fun shoot. That was a fun day, and uh, I I remember that day well. And I remember being in the fountain. That was that was uh, fun. <laughs> yeah, Dave and I tracked down that fountain when we were out in June for some of the California dates. And uh, it was really oh. cool. You know, we were able to find, like, the phone pole that he runs into and, you know, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> it was just really funny. It's like, oh, you guys, you know, who were shooting were just like, oh, well, we'll just use this one across the street from the fountain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was that was all shot right there uh, in, in that park. Uh, <laughs> right. The stuff out in the field. That was all in the same place. That was like a... a you know, that was the whole thing. You know, that was, <laughs> cool. I mean, at least, at least all the outdoor stuff was shot there. Yeah. Uh, that was, that fountain yeah. is the, the official name is the Department of Water and Power Fountain. <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's uh, in, in Griffith Park. It's not actually in Griffith Park. It's kind of across the street from Griffith Park, but close enough. <laughs> Right. As much as uh, Ethan and I wanted to jump in the fountain, unfortunately, it was closed and there was no water in it. So we could not <laughs> fully recreate the music video as much as we wanted to. Yeah, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, gu I guarantee you there's water in the fountain in, in the summer. You come out. And, well, no. Well, if there wasn't in June, then well, I don't know. It wasn't, That's interesting. It wasn't when we were there. 
Huh. I wonder if they were having a water shortage. Yeah, maybe. That's that's a possibility. They're, they pull that on us every now and then. Okay. Oh, California. Yeah, the, yeah, that whole Pacific Ocean thing that, that's against the whole coast. Yeah, that doesn't count. You guys are having a water shortage. <laughs> yeah. I, I am so sure. Anyway, I, I digressed. I wanted to ask you about a, a different photo involving water in the book. This is on... Uh, this is the last page of chapter three. It's on uh, page 102. And it is you and Al and uh, Steve and Lisa Popeil and Dr. Demento uh, and a few other friends oh <laughs> in this uh, this hot tub. And I see this and I it makes me think of the brand new movie Weird the Al Yankovic Story and that very epic Dr. Demento pool party scene. Um was there any truth to you know the film where where they they show uh, Alan, Jim, and Steve and Bermuda going to a pool party uh, with Doctor Demento? Well, this was actually uh, this was an end of the tour party. This was the end of our nineteen eighty of the uh, stupid tour, and that was actually at uh, Jim's house. Oh, uh, that that he shared oh. with somebody, and uh, and we all got together there, and and the the crew and and uh, the band and Doctor Demento and. Uh, uh, Al's manager were, was there, and, uh, and we just uh, we just had like a barbecue and, and just sort of hung out and and uh, this was this was October like mid October of 1985. So to tell you about you know how how pleasant the weather is in California, we're out swimming in mid October. <laughs> I mean, try that in, in you know almost anywhere else in the country. Yeah, right. Any anywhere uh, you know east of the Mississippi, you know that that wouldn't be happening. Not not in mid October. Uh, <laughs> no, that was just that was just uh, you know, uh, end of the tour party. And uh, you know, it's funny because there's there's a couple of people in there. I'm not sure who they are, and that's that's the scary part. Oh wow! Like, I, like I'm in there, and there's there's a girl next to me, and I don't know who it is. <laughs> and and then there's there's the guy to to the left, the the blonde guy. I don't know who that is. <laughs> I've never seen them before in my life. Except in this photo. So, you know, uh, so I guess David Bowie and uh, Gallagher uh, and Alice Cooper were not at that pool party, is what you're saying. They were not at that pool party. No, no, no. No, completely unrelated. Well, I guess as long as we're on the subject of Weird the Al Yankovic story, there is a... A Bermuda in the movie. You were actually in the movie, portrayed by Tommy O'Brien. Yep, he did. He did a fine job. Uh, he's a drummer. He's actually a drummer here in uh, L.A. and uh, oh, cool. and an actor here in L.A. And uh, yeah. so he, everything that he mimed in the movie, all the stuff we recorded, you know, uh, the the live sounding stuff and all that that they all played along to. Uh, he mimed it very, very, very well. Like I could spot like one thing he missed, one little thing that like nobody, would, nobody would ever. Except I was, for you. In fact, I was surprised that that yeah. Except I would be the only one who would know that. Uh, you know, I and most of the stuff. And I was as I was watching it, and of course I was like, okay, let's see if he follows everything. And he was doing every little thing exactly the way it should have been done. I mean, wow. he's really he did a great mm. job on that. And uh, in fact, and the other guys uh, who played Jim and Steve actually play guitar and bass. They are, you know, everyone who auditioned for our parts, I believe, had to also uh, be reasonably proficient on, on the specific instrument. And uh, I've seen uh, uh, the audition uh, files for, in fact, all of the people really? who auditioned for our parts. And for, and for Al, I've got all those. You can't have them. But I've got all of the <laughs> files of, of all of the people who auditioned for Young Al and Teenage Al and uh, each of us and and got to see you know I, I got to see Tommy O'Brien playing drums wow in uh, you know as part of his uh, audition reel but they had everyone read you know certain lines from the movie and yeah. and none of it you know as I was watching I saw this you know many 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 months ago and and I had no idea what any of it meant you know until you see it in the context of the movie then it's like oh yeah he he did that he read that for the audition. <laughs> Oh, now okay. Now I get, you know. Now I understand what's going on. Because all you hear on the audition thing is, you know, someone's reading a script, you know, from off off camera, and it's you know kind of, you know, unemotional and all that. And and you know the actor is supposed to respond, you know, in in the way they're supposed to respond. And so you're only getting half the picture, and it's like I I don't know what's going on here. 
till I saw the movie, and then it's like, oh, okay, that's it all. It all makes sense now. But all these uh, all these uh, audition reels are very interesting. Uh, it's very cool. I mean, a ton of people. I didn't know any of them. There wasn't any. Well, I wouldn't because they're all considerably younger than we are. Uh, but I, I didn't recognize uh, any names in there. I wasn't sure if I would, but I didn't. Mm. And uh, But I have been in touch with Tommy. In fact, the guys have been in touch with the guys who played them as well. And uh, hopefully now that I'm back in L.A. And, and getting settled a little bit, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to meet him in person. Uh, you know, none of us had actually met them. None of us were on the set when any of this stuff was being shot. And uh, I wanted to come down because I thought I could get a free lunch. And uh, they didn't. They didn't. They didn't fall for that. So I, I missed all the festivities. But uh, no, Tommy seems like a like a good guy, and I thought I think he did a great job. And did you get an opportunity to talk to Tommy before he actually filmed his parts, or was it your conversation with Tommy after he had already filmed the movie? No, it was it was after after I had seen it, and uh, I hadn't actually talked to him. I mean, I do have his phone number, but I hadn't hadn't spoken with him. And uh, at some point, I think after the holidays, I'll touch base with him and see if I can, you know, get together and say hi in person uh, before we head out again or something. But uh, he, we didn't, we didn't, uh, he, you know, he had told me he had done a little bit of research, you know, about me and about, uh, you know, wanting to, you know, come across, you know, properly. And he had told me, and he should have done this, and I know Al would have been cool with it. He had said, you know, I was really thinking about carrying a camera with me in every scene, like you, know, you did. <laughs> like you were everywhere Aww. you were, you had a camera. And and he was thinking about it, and he didn't do it. I said, oh, you should have done it. I said, Al would have been totally down with that. He would have loved that. That would have been great. And, uh, and, and, yeah. and not to be even shooting pictures, just to, like, obviously have a camera, you know, hanging around his neck or in his hand <laughs> or whatever at all times. Right. Like, like I did. I mean, I had a camera with me, like, 99% of the time. Yeah. When you when you when you say you saw the auditions, was that after they were already chosen, or were you part of that process of selecting Bermuda? I I I wasn't officially part of the process. You know, Al said, you know, who who do you like? You know, there was like twenty or twenty two of them, and uh, I said, well, you know, they're they're all these guys are good. He says, well, what do you think of of uh, you know, we're we're looking at Tommy O'Brien. What do you think? I said, Tommy, Tommy's fine. You know, yeah, okay. <laughs> now I you know the decision was not mine, yeah. but. But uh, he he did he did run it by me. I don't know if he ran it by the guys or not. Hmm. Uh, hmm. But yeah, he, he ran uh, ran those by me and and uh, you know and and again, I think Tommy did great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, not to not to uh, be braggadocious with you, Bermuda, but uh, Dave and I did get free lunch and we did get to meet uh, Tommy in person. <laughs> so um, we hope Grr. we hope that Grr. you'll have those experiences one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I had lunch today, so that's, you know, that's half of it. That's true. Uh, I just have to meet Tommy and, and then we'll be even. Okay. Yeah, you guys, you guys were, you guys were on set. You know, you got, you got to be in the movie. That's pretty cool. It was. We got to see pretend was, Bermuda yeah. in person. <laughs> we did. Wow. No, very, very cool. And you got lunch. You did get lunch. We right? did. Did you get your dollar? Did, did they pay lunch. you a dollar? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I guess with inflation, they probably pay you five dollars now. <laughs> exactly. That's yeah. Get a crisp day. No, that was very cool. When I when I saw that, uh, you know, that stuff go by, I thought, oh, those bastards! They got in there. <laughs> <laughs> they, I didn't even get to be in my own movie. I could have been. I could have been somebody's uncle. But no. No, that's that's very cool. Con- congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it was so much fun. <laughs> Thank you. To say you weren't in the movie, though, isn't quite 100% true because you did play drums on several new songs, so several re-recordings and a new song uh, that were featured in the movie. What can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well, I was involved, certainly to that extent, along with the guys. Uh, that was pretty cool. You know, we, we uh, went back. We were originally going to do like a surgeon in the uh, the uh, Madonna the the sort of uh, truth or dare version, it was originally going to be that. Oh, cool! And and uh, it wound up becoming just the straight version. Mm. And uh, and it was it was kind of cool to go back and because we hadn't played like a surgeon, you know, like that in I don't know, you know, thirty years. Right. Maybe. I don't know. It's been a long been a long time. Not that it was difficult, but it was interesting to come back and and do that. It was interesting to come back and and. Uh, you know, I guess I Love Rocky Road is kind of 
kind of the same. Uh, I don't think we had anything different that we did live for that. Um, but it was sort of cool to, to come back and do that stuff. You know, uh, re-recording Another One Rides the Bus, you know, like to actually make a recording yeah. of it versus just, you know, oh, let's just play it and, you know, Demento secretly rolled tape on it. Uh, <laughs> was 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 the only reason that became a single at all. Uh, you know, it was different to go in and, and you know, deliberately re-record that. And it was sort of cool. Now, I, I couldn't use Al's original accordion case because I beat the heck out of that. Uh, on the road, and and I just I'd really beat it up, and I, I wish I hadn't, because uh, that was a terrible thing to do to that. And I still have it, but it's it's not mm. useful either as an accordion case or as something to beat up. <laughs> so I had I had uh, I've got some drum cases that are like nice, like accordion style cases, you know, except they have a drum inside, but they're that size, and I found one I. I swear I went through different cases and I beat on things until I found one that sounded like the original case. Oh, and, cool. And so that sounds, and we, we you know brought that into the studio and recorded that, and it sounds remarkably like the original. I mean, it really sounds like that original case. And I'm, I'm really happy with that. I'm, I'm very proud of that. Um, so that was sort of cool to do that. We uh, I know Al recently released something we did that did not make it in the movie. Yeah. The, and that was yeah. a little snip, a, a little snippet of uh, I Lost on Jeopardy that was supposed right. to be used as as uh, Daniel uh, was flipping through the radio stations or, or you know, was, was hearing different songs on the radio, you know, while he was driving around. Uh, that was supposed to come on. There was just supposed to be a snippet of that. <laughs> and, and so we went ahead and recorded, uh, literally just recorded a chorus and and that was and it was supposed to sound like the record, and uh, I think honestly because it would have cost too much to license the recording, uh, and and mm. use that, so it was you know it made more sense to just record it from mm. scratch, mm -hmm. and it sounds it sounds suitably close. I mean it's pretty close, uh, but the uh, one one fun thing on there is I I brought in a sample of the original claps that were used on uh, on uh, the original I lost on Jeopardy. And I think, I don't remember if we clapped live or if it was a machine or what, but I, I happen to have the claps from that, and we used that uh, on the new recording. <laughs> so just a little a little throwback to the original. I there. love that. But I was sort of surprised, you know, I was sort of surprised that Al put that out there. It's like, you know, nobody nobody would have known about it. It, you know, would have just been a well-kept secret. But right. he's he's fun that way. Yeah. And I guess he figured, you know, if he didn't do it, probably one of us would have done it. Because <laughs> you know, I, have, I have, obviously, I have a mix of it. And, uh, but that was cool that he put that put that out there. And that, that was sort of a fun thing. He made me sing on that. And I'm pretty sure that they didn't use it. So that's good. <laughs> well, so I guess the, the question is, are there other songs or snippets that were recorded that were not used that uh, you can't tell us about? No, no, that that was it. Okay. Everything that's that's on the uh, album, on the double album, is uh, accounted for. Uh, you know, everything we did is accounted for, except for this Jeopardy clip, which is now out there. No, everything else is... Uh, is uh that's it that's all we did and and uh no secret other stuff because <laughs> i i know uh some of our <laughs> our friends and and dave and i were discussing you know was there ever a consideration to re-record the edict clip i i don't know uh, i'm not sure why i'm not sure why we didn't just re-record that mm -hmm. and and why they why they used that and why we didn't just re in the in the way that we did you know a couple of the other things uh I don't know. Hmm. Uh, not not sure. Now, when you were going back and recording things like My Bologna or I Love Rocky Road or Like a Surgeon, were you uh, trying to be as accurate as you could to the album version or were you trying to do a new updated 2022 version? Were you allowed to make changes to what you had originally done? Well, they were supposed to be... Uh, in some cases, the live version, as we would have done it back in 83, 84, 85, they were supposed mm -hmm. to sound like that. So, mm. uh, but, it, but in, in some cases, those were the album versions. I mean, that's how we played them. Yeah. Like, like a surgeon, uh, you know, except that we, we, you know, had to, you know, in live, we couldn't fade it out. 
know, that is how we played it. We played it like the album. We played I Love Rocky Road like the album. Um, uh, another one rides the bus, you know, like, well, of course, that, that, was, that wasn't in concert. But right. uh, now, for, for my Bologna, uh, that was supposed to be the album version. That was supposed to be, in other words, it didn't sound like the knack. Uh, right. Only later did did we start to you know did I change the drums to what Bruce Gary from the Knack played and make it sound more like the Knack was you know would have played it, uh, but that was that was just supposed to sound like the first album and that's what we did. And I had to go back and listen to it because you know it had been so long since we did that. Uh, you know I, I wanted to get that right. I think I made a chart on that, and uh, I actually I, I made a chart on all these things because you know I, and we hadn't played like a surgeon in quite some time. Uh, for example, I hadn't played I Love Rocky Road in quite some time. Uh, I had to make a chart on Another One Rides the Bus. <laughs> I know it's, it seems like it's just a silly straight-ahead part, but, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure I got the arrangement right. And, uh, you know, that was that was fun doing that. That was fun. I have to admit, I got that yeah. in one take, I think. Not that it's hard, but, I mean, I thought that was, uh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> and it was cool seeing Tommy play that in the movie because there's a thing where I sort of I beat on the middle of the case and then there's like sort of an afterbeat where I hit the sides of the case and he obviously you know could hear that and that's what he did and you can tell that his <laughs> arms are moving and, and that he's hitting the side I mean you know so it's very very authentic it was very cool very cool to see him do that stuff yeah <laughs> I love that do you have anything you can share about recording now you know and working on that song it's just you know we we uh, we rehearsed that, bef- well we rehearsed that while we were rehearsing for the tour because we recorded that before the tour. Uh, no nothing you know, nothing special. Uh, Ruben added his parts uh, uh, later, not later he, he separately, because uh, he uh, you know he doesn't live in L.A. So he wasn't in the studio. Oh, interesting. Uh, for that, he added parts uh, after. Well, that's wow. but that's that's done a lot. Yeah, you know, that's that's not a big thing. Um, I was not there when uh, uh, Lisa, Scotty, and Monique were there, so I missed that. But again, that's not you know we we go in and record things, and then we're done, and then right. you know the next day or the next few days, different people come in and add other stuff. You know, like we didn't see Al doing of any of his vocals. You know, we all took off beforehand. Hmm. Uh, no, nothing, nothing uh, remarkable. I mean, it's just you know it was, that's the first time though. I, I will say that we've gone in and recorded an Al original, uh, a brand new original since twenty thirteen or fourteen for wow. the last album. Wow. Yeah, that's that's the first new Al song we've done uh, in in eight years. Wow. So, wow, that was kind of neat. It's really yeah. yeah. I mean, what a great song too. Oh, thanks. Is that one you think could ever be played live, or is that too complicated with the horns and background singing and stuff? Well, the horn, we could certainly play it. I think the background singing would be, uh, you know, I don't know who would who would do all the high vocals, all the kind of scat stuff. Uh, you know, it's it could be done live. I don't know if there's a reason to. I, it's hard to say. Mm-hmm. It's hard hard to say. I mean, I don't I don't mean to you know, say that we analyze what songs should be played and shouldn't, <laughs> but, but we do, you know, we, we don't just throw everything out there, you know, it's, yeah. you know, we put out a new album and, you know, not every song on the album gets played live, you know, cause there are decisions made about what should and shouldn't be played or what, what we could pull off better than other songs, you know, mm-hmm. or what are just maybe, you know, Al thinks might be less interesting to an, you know, I don't know. It's hard to say. Uh, but as far as whether we would play this, I, I don't know. You know, I mean, we're not going to be playing it on the uh, upcoming European and Australian tour, so no, not uh, not anytime, <laughs> not in the immediate future, anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, no, okay. now we know. <laughs> now and now, now you know. know. <laughs> now now you know what you don't know. <laughs> hey, that could be a parody of "Now You Know." <laughs> now you know what you don't know. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. <laughs> One thing I've I've seen uh, a little bit of discussion about is the, you know, the biker bar scene. The the, the of course the scene where Dave and I are in there um, is kind of a a rough show, um, and I've seen some speculation that maybe that 
was meant to look like the f- infamous missing persons concert. Uh, did you see any kind of resemblance there, uh, having literally been there? No, no, I don't. I don't think that was. I don't think that was that at all. Because uh, Al didn't come out at the end smelling like a rose at the missing persons concert. So, <laughs> so not not related at all. No. Uh, and play, and we had more stuff thrown at us than they did in the bar scene. So. <laughs> Well, I will say that uh, that there was a bit more that was shot at that, where we did throw quite a few items at the uh, stage that must have made the cutting room floor. So uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll have to leave the jury out on that one and see who was uh, more violent towards the band up on stage. Jumping back to talking about the tour, um, you did mention uh, that you had to miss a handful of shows um, due to a positive COVID diagnosis. Uh, and your uh, sub, Nick Amoroso, went in. And I. this is, what, the second time in history that someone subbed for you on a Weird Al tour? Yep, yep. And uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I wish it didn't happen, but it does. And, and, that's, uh, and I was prepared. And more importantly, Nick was prepared. And uh, he came in on, on almost no notice. I mean, I told him back in March, you know, you might get a call. Yeah. Actually, you know, the the day I tested positive, the night I tested positive, that afternoon, I wasn't feeling quite right. And, and I, I was, I was very sniffly and that's very unusual for me. And I just, I, th- and I, I didn't talk to him a whole lot. I'd sent him an email or a couple updates now and then throughout mm-hmm. the tour, but I hadn't really talked to him. And I called him, I said, you know, I, are you still kind of, are you still amenable to, to coming out, you know, like on short notice? You know, if something should happen, he says, "Oh yeah, I just I'm you know I'm not doing anything. You know, you let me know." I said, "Okay," because I, I just have a funny feeling. I'm just I'm not feeling quite right today. Mm-hmm. Just just in case something happens, if you get the call later, can you come out like tomorrow? Right. Wow. He says, "Yeah." He says, "Yeah, let me know." Anyway, so we did the show, and and I tested positive after. And it's funny because I wasn't that surprised. I just I sort of knew it. Yeah. And yeah. and I called Nick, and. Uh, and uh, we, we set up, uh, we got a, a flight for him, and uh, he was on a plane. I, I called him, it was, you know, like 10 o'clock his time or something in Nashville. And he was on a plane at 6 a.m. the next morning. Wow. To come out to, to meet the band in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, at that next show, the very next show. And, and he was ready. And they ran through the whole show that afternoon. And... Uh, and uh, he did uh, from, and I have recordings of his shows also. I haven't listened to them too carefully, but uh, you know, by all accounts, he did very well. They didn't have to make any changes for him. They didn't have to drop any songs because he wasn't prepared. They did the shows as planned. Then he ended up doing four shows, and uh, and and saved. You know, those would have been canceled shows otherwise. Right. Uh, as as with Al, of course, you don't have a sub for Al, but you know, Al right. tests positive. The shows get canceled until he's yeah. negative again. Yeah, and that would have been the case with me. Now it was a different situation when Jim tested positive. We stuck him backstage. We put him in a separate room, kept him separate. He didn't travel with us. I mean, there was a way to make that work mm-hmm. and keep the shows going. Uh, it became apparent though that by keeping someone who was tested who tested positive, you know, in house. And having them, you know, essentially interacting with the crew, even if they weren't interacting with the rest of the band, that that was no different than, you know, just putting him on stage. Oh, okay. And that's and that's what happened with Ruben. Ruben was the next to test positive, under this new protocol, and he didn't. He's his. Uh, he had two subs lined up, one of whom had gone off and done something else. And, you know, that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. and the other one. Uh, apparently his passport and, and we were in Canada so his passport was something was up and he couldn't travel oh no he couldn't get it couldn't get into Canada oh, wow. so there was no there was no sub for Ruben but we did the shows anyway without Ruben uh, as we did shows for you know a couple of years in the beginning of our career just the four of us and it was perfectly fine uh, you know there were a couple of songs we just couldn't do you know some very obviously piano based right. keyboard based songs why does this always happen there yeah. is yeah, there, there, yeah, but there was a ton of stuff that we could do, and we did four different shows for the four nights he missed. 
It's incredible. When it came my turn uh, at the end of August or, or last week of August, uh, I was ready. In fact, I had four or five guys lined up. But Nick was my first choice. I've known Nick since he lived in L.A. I've known him since the 90s. Oh, wow. I've uh, seen him play. Uh, you know, he's a good guy. Uh, you know, I, I, uh, there were a lot of considerations before I lined up my subs, you know, that, that uh, you know, not just could they play the parts. I mean, that's, that's a given is that they have to be able to play. But there were other things, you know, their personality, uh, their political alignment, uh, their, their size. You know, they have to be able to sit at my kit, you know, without adjusting too many things because I have to come back to it. Right. You know, then I have to readjust everything. They have to be able to sit down at the kit and just start playing. It has to be comfortable for them. Uh, they have to be right-handed because <laughs> if you're a left-handed drummer, well, no, if you're a left-handed drummer, the kit is set up differently. It's set up in, in reverse. <laughs> You know, yeah. it's not just a matter of, you know, if you're a left-handed guitar player, you flip the guitar around. Now it's, you know, you do a Jimi Hendrix and now it's a left-handed guitar. It's not that way. You got it. It's a major change. to the, So they all had to be right-handed. They all had to have passports because we were in and out of Canada a few times. There were a number of considerations I, I uh, considered before choosing my subs. And I had them in a specific order. And Nick was at the top of the list. And it was, uh, it was uh, particularly lucky that you know, he was also close by from Nashville to Louisville. Was I think he flew somewhere and then had to fly. You know, it was like a two-step thing. But you know, he was close enough. Right. It wasn't like you know he had to fly across the country and there was a time difference and you know all this other right. stuff. I mean, probably would have missed a show. He kept it. He kept it on track. And uh, you know, very grateful for that. And uh, you know, the the guys all gave me a lot of kudos for lining him up. And and you know, but he did all the hard work. He really. Uh, he, he worked on that stuff, even when I said don't work too hard on this stuff because, you know, I don't think it's going to be an issue, but, you know, just, just in case, at your leisure, you know, he says, no, no, I'm going to work on it, I'm going to get it. He had it. I said, don't, okay, don't work, don't work on Albuquerque, don't worry, you know, if you come out, they're not going to do certain songs. He says, oh, I've already figured it out, I already got it. And he came out, <laughs> and they did, they did every song, and he did everything, and, and, you know, he missed a cue here and there. I mean, it's a little different to hear uh, a recording of something, and, and then another thing to be on stage with the guys you know, in, in the context of, of the show. Right. Uh, if we made if we made any changes in tempos or to the charts or, or a song, you know, like we we uh, did a few different things. We massaged Albuquerque a little bit over the first couple of months. So every time there was a change in that, I would keep him updated on that. So he always had, you know, it wouldn't be caught by surprise. Did anyway, like I say, he came out on, on almost no notice and kept the tour going and, uh, you know, very thankful that he was able to do that and that he did such a great job uh, with it. And on the last day when I came down and, and uh, was going to come back, it was in St. Louis, in fact, next to St. Louis, uh, we we crossed paths in the hotel. I got a chance to chat with him face-to-face, -face, you know, mask-to-mask, -mask, yeah. I should say, <laughs> uh, before before he took off and before I went uh, to do soundcheck. And uh, got a chance, you know, sat down for about an hour and just sort of caught up on stuff because I hadn't seen him in person in a couple of years. And uh, so that was nice to just sort of, you know, do, do the handoff uh, that way, you know, and, and uh, you know, and in fact, he did, he did a couple of things that, that the band that Al liked, and that all of a sudden I came back, he said, oh, you know, Nick did this thing, we want you to do this thing that Nick did. <laughs> I, said, I said, oh, oh, really? Oh, do you? Do you now? Okay. Well, what, what exactly did Nick do that, that I don't do? Well, there's this little thing he does in the medley, and it's, oh, oh, really? Oh, how nice! How nice for Nick. <laughs> anyway, but but you know what? I I did. You know, Nick Nick uh, did something. I don't know if it was a mistake or if he, he put his own spin on something or what it was. But they liked whatever it was, and it's like okay, that, Nick, Nick, it is. You want Nick? You got Nick. Okay. Anyway, no, very very thankful. Very thankful he was able to come out, and and he uh, he did a great job. Can you give us a specific example of something that that Nick contributed that later stayed in the show? Uh, I think there were just some tempo things, like there was a, a a tempo thing or something in the medley that that he had done a little bit slower, and the guys liked it a little bit slower. Hmm. Uh, and which it's not that I was playing it fast; it's just we had it at a certain tempo, and it had just never occurred to anybody, you know, in rehearsal or during, you know almost four months of gigs that it should be any different until he did something and then all of a sudden it had dawned on Al as oh that, I like that okay well we'll do that hmm. so that was I think it was he wanted something a little bit slower uh, 
Okay. And and that was it. It was not nothing, no significant part or no you know, uh, you know not well there were no wigs or costumes so right. it wasn't that. <laughs> Uh, right. <laughs> well, it wasn't like he he wore a clown nose, and all of a sudden I had to wear a clown nose. <laughs> that's, that's that's for that's for another tour. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> no. Um. So, so uh, amazingly, it, all the shows that Dave and I went to, the only time where any of us, it was just me. I saw. Uh, Miles sitting in for Steve for a couple shows. So we didn't see Nick or we didn't see uh, Jim backstage or Ruben not there. And what really surprised me the most was how Miles did absolutely everything in the Yoda chant. Um, Was Nick doing the stuff in the Yoda chant? How do you teach someone that? We need to stop that interview right there. But we will be back next episode with the final part of our latest interview with Bermuda. Be sure to pick up his brand new book, Lights, Camera, Accordion, eye-popping photographs of Weird Al Yankovic, 1981-2006, to on Amazon or wherever fine books are sold. And yes, do not worry, you can still pick up some of those awesome box sets over at 1984publishing.com. They make great January gifts. And act quickly, there's less than 50 box sets available! Ooh, you know what that sound means. That sound means that there's a message on the official Dave and Ethan's 2000 Inch Weird Al Podcast hotline. 347 Spatula. All right, intern Frank, let's hear it. Get me on the pod. This is it's Chuck from Twitter. Get me on the pod. I have I don't have redeeming qualities. Or, I mean, I have redeeming qualities, but I don't have anything super important. But, like, I, you know, I'm a niche internet micro-celebrity on Twitter. In the Weird Al Twitter sub-community, I think it would be very um, beneficial for your podcast and my community for me to be on the pod. Thank you for your time. Well, congratulations, Chuck. You are just on the podcast. Oh, another one? Dave. I mean, oh boy, another one. Let's hear it. Hey there, Dave and Ethan. It's your old pal Chris, the cartoon-loving geek from Canada. Well, I got some good news and I got some bad news to share. So I guess I better give you the bad news first. Well, I went online and I bought you guys a copy of that animated, hard-to-find holiday classic, How Airline Amy Stopped the Incredible Frog Boy from Ruining Christmas, on a Blu-ray DVD combo pack, complete with several hours of added bonus features. But unfortunately, due to some bizarre shipping error from the company I got it from, they wrote me back and told me that it wound up at Rain Wilson's house for some odd reason. Well, anyway, I've called Rain several times, hoping that he might send it back to me, but I keep getting his answering machine. And yes, to make matters worse, that Christmas movie was the last one in stock. Yeah, yeah, I know. Gee, really? Well, that sucks. Now, now, guys, come on, don't despair, because now comes the good news. Seeing as how it's the holiday season, I'm not going to leave you two empty-handed. So once again, I put my cartoonish skills to the test and came up with something festively funny for the both of you to enjoy. Now, in terms of the one pick that has your logo on it, well, let me just say it's amazing how inspiration can hit you when you've spent the day eating nothing but broccoli-flavored candy canes and guzzling back eggnog mixed with Cheeto dust. Now, as for the two picks of you two, well... Let's just say I wanted to see what you guys would look like if you were cool, LOL. <laughs> well, nevertheless, they're all yours. Do whatever you want with them, and I sure hope you guys like them. So until next time, you have a safe, healthy, and Merry Christmas. And here's hoping Santa brings you guys that talking hey boy doll that you've been dreaming of. Happy Holidays! Oh, wait, 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 one more thing. Uh, Frank, if you're in there in the background listening, I uh, got your Christmas present you sent me. And may I just say, what a surprisingly thoughtful gift. A copy of your script for Lousy, the intern Frank story. I mean, wow, all this time I thought you were a rotten, lousy, idiotic intern with no heart. Boy, was I wrong. Thank you so much, Frank. This is the best present ever. Now I have plenty of scrap paper to use for all of my future drawings. This is just great. Well... Ciao, guys. Oh, thank you so much for the call, Chris. 
You definitely got that right the first time. Our intern, Frank, is a lousy, rotten, idiotic intern with no heart. And thank you so much for these drawings. I gotta say, they are better than broccoli-flavored candy canes. Dave, how about we describe what we look like if we were cool? Well, Ethan, you look really cool dressed up as a snowman with a carrot nose and an orange traffic cone on your head. I absolutely love it that you're holding a gigantic toothbrush and that Hawaiian shirt looks really familiar. Oh, yes, as does yours, Dave. Your Hawaiian shirt, I believe, is also from the Now You Know lyric video. And I see that you have a matching orange nose and white snow body, as well as a weasel-stomping Dave Viking hat and a giant spatula. Well, that's just perfect for the holiday season. Now, there are great logo image. We also posted that along with these two great snowman images over on our group.2000inch.com. Check it out and see if you can notice all the amazing references. Well, a big thank you, Chris, for these amazing drawings, the wonderful phone call, and we hope you have a wonderful Canadian Christmas whenever that falls on the calendar. And we will do everything in our power to make sure... Lousy, the intern Frank story never sees the light of day. This episode is brought to you in part by Discover Darwin, promoting tourism in Darwin, Minnesota. Not only is historic Darwin, Minnesota uh, beautiful, it's also wrought in criminal activity. Last episode, we shared the disheartening news about Mike McKee and his criminal acts at and around the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. He blatantly disregarded the most sacred of all constitutional amendments, the 27th Amendment of the Darwin Constitution, Thou shalt not touch thy twine ball. Mayor Josh Johnson himself, the esteemed mayor of Darwin, Minnesota, has shared with us his official ruling on this hooligan. In his letter, sealed with wax and written on official twine ball in letterhead, the mayor says, in his expert opinion... I have seen that move before, and I think he's just slightly off the twine ball. At least that is what I will tell myself. But I think I do see some daylight by his right arm. He continued, The ball is probably more resilient than we give it credit for, and I personally don't get too worked up if someone sneaks a touch. But I know it is good policy as a whole to discourage it. And finally, he says, We want to keep it around, and round, as long as possible. He looks like a big fan, though, so I'm glad he made it into the gazebo. Well, much to our disappointment, it seems as though career hooligan Mike McKee will walk free, until which time as Discover Darwin is promoted to judge, jury, and executioner of Darwin, Minnesota. So visit Darwin, Minnesota on your next expedition with a disappointing conclusion. Discover Darwin, more than just the twine ball. And after you visit Darwin, Minnesota, be sure to attempt to visit discoverdarwin.biz. This is a special hamster alert to the Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast broadcast alert system sponsored by Jack Bateman. When you think of American Santa Claus, what do you think of first, Dave? Murderous psychopath. Well, of course, but but then what? The reindeer. Yes, the reindeer. Now, what if I told you the whole Santa Claus thing was a myth? A myth? Well, just the part about him using reindeer to fly around. Oh, phew! So, how does he fly through the air if the reindeer aren't real? Hamsters. Hamsters? Why else would we be having this conversation during a hamster alert? I should have known. Is it safe to say he uses eight tiny hamsters? Yes, of course. But are the names the same as the reindeer? No, no, Dave. The hamsters are named Ethan, 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 and Ethan. What about the one with the red nose? Oh, that's Ethan. That is all for this episode's very important special hamster alert via the Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast broadcast alert system. Dave and Ethan's 2,000-inch Weird Al podcast is brought to you absolutely free thanks to our incredible sponsors Burrito Burrito, Jackson Scoggins, Discover Darwin, and Jack Bateman. Our podcast is also supported by everyone else in our Patreon family with special thanks to our amazing close personal friend level Patreon supporters. Dana B, Blair, Kev, Javier, Scott, UH Jeff, Nancy, NES, Josh64, Mike, Matthew, Kenneth, Gus and Alicia, Allison, Adriana, Ajax, Jake, Zeb, Zach, and also thanks to Angel and everyone else in our pretty stinking majestic Patreon family. If you enjoy our fantastically freaky and family-friendly Weird Al podcast, 
please consider supporting us over at patreon.com slash 2000 inch. There are awesome, awesome benefits like getting your name on the podcast, your very own private RSS feed, and access to our secret episodes. And now would be a good time to join if you haven't already, because not only will you be the first to hear our remaining The Unfortunate Return of the Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Ill-Advised Vanity to our Concert Review Bonus Episodes of 2022, you'll also be the first to hear our brand new Weird the Alec Yankovic Story Insider Bonus Episode Series. And do not forget to check out our official merchandise shop over at shop.2000inch.com. All proceeds from purchases go directly towards supporting our very fine podcast. Now, you may think you are cool, but you're certainly not as cool as our friend and supporter, Erin Henry, who wore her Inverse Logo short sleeve t-shirt in 22-degree weather on her recent trip to the biggest ball of twine in Minnesota. We love hearing from our listeners and other Weird Al fans, so be sure to join our Facebook community at group.2000inch.com and visit our Discord server for even more riveting Weird Al and Red Rumptagooty related conversations. You can find both of them linked on our website, as well as information about past episodes and guests over at weirdalpodcast.com or 2000inch.com. And while you are there, click on Ridiculously Self-Indulgent Bonus Episodes to follow along with our adventures on tour, or click on Black and White and Weird All Over Bonus Episodes for our special series where this episode's guest, John Bermuda Schwartz, walks us through his first book, page by page and picture by picture. Keep up on new episodes, podcast news, and events by following at 2000inch on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you for subscribing and leaving reviews on your favorite podcast app. Make sure you're subscribed, because not only does it help the podcast, it alphabetizes your sock drawer. Plus, we love it when we receive voicemail via our official patent-pending 27-hour-a-day podcast hotline 347-772-8852 also known as 347 spatula give it a call and you might hear your message in a future episode thank you once again to our guest john bermuda schwartz we also want to thank ben lamirand jeff mcclelland jason alchill jackson scoggins chris sear chuck from twitter aaron henry mayor josh johnson and adrian vasquez Thank you to the Grammy Award-winning Jim Kimo West for incredible podcast theme song, and thank you to Weird Al Yankovic, as this podcast probably would not exist without him. And a big thanks to all of you, our loyal listeners, subscribers, Patreon supporters and sponsors, and everyone else who makes our podcast possible. Thank you for choosing Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al podcast. Next episode, tune in for the exciting conclusion to our interview with the legendary John Bermuda Schwartz. And always remember... To gill and chill. Well, we did it, Dave! We successfully made it through our last inch episode of 2022. What an exciting, exciting year this has been. Oh, absolutely! I mean, 2022 brought us a brand new Weird Al tour in which you and I collectively attended 40 different concerts. Wow, that's incredible. And let's not forget that Weird Al and his amazing band performed our very own theme song live on stage. That was simply amazing, Dave. And of course, 2022 brought us the amazing new expanded edition of Lily Hirsch's incredible Weird Al Seriously book, which features quotes by us and our podcast multiple times. And we had tons of fun seeing all of our friends out on tour for the first time in several years. And we visited the Twine Ball, the Gump Fountain, and wow, so, so much more. Well, and don't forget, Weird Al came out with a brand new movie. We were at the world premiere, and we are at the official premiere. Oh, and we were in the freaking movie, Dave! It was so nuts! With so many great things to happen to us in 2022, it's tough to pick only one thing, but if I had to, that is easily what I will remember the most about this year. The corn nuts. Wait, what? Yeah, those corn nuts we tried in Santa Barbara. They were terrible. Blah, 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 blah. I'll never get that taste out of my mouth. Blah. That was Dave and Ethan's 2000-inch Weird Al Podcast, episode 182-inch. Wishing you a happy American New Year.
What well, wasn't like he he wore a clown nose and all of a sudden I had to wear a clown nose. That's for another tour, I'm sure. 